T to classify yes, as three letters. Cause our history guys, we got Eric, Ellie, who else? We got Brian, listen every time, you know it's gonna be some drive. Everybody certified, it's pocket rock, ain't tell no lies. You really my lose your mind, can only put this in your time. Yeah, at Matthew underscore Paris uh, on Twitter. That's P-A-R-A-S. If you're reading the podcast description, you can hopefully know how to spell my last name. So appreciate it. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm always so scared to say it out loud because I'm afraid I'm going to say it wrong, but it's just Paris as mm-hmm. in France, right? So Yeah, yeah, like like the city. Um, yeah, or the Pokemon, if you're into that sort of thing. <laughs> there you go. So let's jump right into training camp. And, you know, it's been a productive several days so far at training camp. Um, give me your overall impression of how things are going down out there. Yeah, it's been a, an interesting kind of a few days. You know, there's not necessarily as much news as in years past, or, you know, there aren't your certain position battles that you're super watching closely because you look up and down this roster, a lot of the starting spots are already kind of settled, which is unusual for this team. But, you know, the annual tradition of training camp, for Washington is they have a new quarterback and with that becomes certain adjustments. And, you know, that's been the case so far. Carson Wentz, I think is going through it a little bit. He had a much better day today, but um, you know, he's going through those growing pains of learning a new offense stuff that I think is normal for the NFL this time of year. But um, you know, I, he, he's not used to the scheme just yet. And I, I think that's kind of apparent as he's working through it. Matthew, um, I know Ron is, uh, he said a bunch uh, throughout this offseason that, uh, you know, this is year three. This is a big year for the team, for the coaches, for the players, uh, for everyone to kind of take a step forward. Um, you know, sometimes that's just kind of talk, you know, just kind of coach speak. Um, are, are you guys actually kind of, when you talk to players, are you sensing any additional urgency this year? Uh, about, you know, with them or maybe some of the assistant coaches in terms of, hey, this is the third year, you know, we we do need to be dialed in, right? We do need to do something better than seven and 10. Are you sensing any of that or is it uh, kind of, you know, just rolling along same old as uh, as uh, last year? No, I think players kind of embrace it. You know, they haven't openly come out and said we have to make the playoffs. I don't think they want to put that type of pressure on themselves. But I think if they looked at last year's situation, you know, Jack Del Rio, all people have kind of referred to as being humble pie. You know, it, I think yeah. there was a little bit of humility with how much the defense, especially, kind of um, let, you know, was responsible for the last season's letdown. So that's a unit that, you know, I know Wentz, I just said that Wentz is kind of struggling and working through things, but I think the defense is kind of making him struggle. And, um, you know, you look at the continuity on that unit. I don't know how much better they'll be, but they certainly look a lot better than last year so far. And I do think there are things that carry over. I think we saw it a little bit last season when they started to hit that stride before the COVID streak kind of hit in. Um, they, you know, they, they showed some potential. And I think you're kind of starting to see that again. Uh, it, the secondary just looks a lot much better. There's really not that kind of wink leak as there was maybe a year ago. Yeah, speaking of a year ago, um, Matthew, I guess uh, kind of leads into my next question is you alluded to it a little bit before, but what do you really see uh, or do you see uh, a huge or minor or any difference in just the way the team is is looking or approaching camp as compared to this time at this point last year, a week into uh, training camp? 
Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the, the weird thing about last year, or I don't, there wasn't really a lot of like, you know, as camp was unfolding, it wasn't, there wasn't a lot of like, oh, this is going to be a rough year for them. I think the media core was relatively high on the group after a, a promising 2020 season. And, you know, they talked, Chase Young and Monta Sweat talked about breaking records and we don't really, you know, buy into that, but it was, it made it for a fun camp. It seemed like they were, you know, Rivera talked about that maturity, where they're going to take this step forward. And this year, you know, there's not as, there's definitely less like embracing, oh, we're going to be the best defense in the NFL. I don't think, one, they really haven't been asked about it because I think we saw that last year that they weren't. So there's not much to ask. But even when asking, like, hey, do you regret those comments from a year ago? Someone like, you know, Montez Sweat is like, well, I think we're still capable of it, but, you know, we're going to focus on winning first. So it's just, I think there's a difference in attitude, but specifically, like, to what's different from a year ago, you know, I just think it's, like, kind of noticeable in the play, like you look at a guy like William Jackson, he was really going through it last year with, you know, Terry McCorn was kind of beating him all over the place. And it's been much more even this year. You know, he just kind of looks more in sync with the rest of the secondary. And um, yeah, it, it's quite noticeable to me anyway. You, you talked about Carson Wentz and obviously he's going to be the big story throughout the entirety of camp because he's sort of the keys to what we have going on. Uh, this season last year we had Heineke well at least at this point in camp it was Fitzpatrick and then you know Heineke sort of emerged do you see a noticeable difference even through Carson's struggle in terms of the way that the offense operates under Carson or is it still too early to see that uh, at this point in camp um yes and no I think there are things that Scott Turner likes to do that I think even Heineke you know would do I, I think you know, pushing the ball down the field, taking those shots. Heineke didn't have the arm strength for it, but he tried. But and you're seeing Carson Wentz try too. You know that the completions aren't always accurate, but when they are, it looks pretty. Like he can make throws that Taylor Heineke just can't make. You know, you're seeing that the first couple of days of camp and even you know OTAs and stuff. But it's just more so the consistency that I think is really kind of a I think for Carson Wentz right now. He's had a lot of incompletions through a couple of interceptions the other day, but you do see him starting to figure it out too, because yeah, you know, I thought today was his best day in terms of ball placement and, and hitting a connection with guys like Cole Turner, who seems to be emerging as one of his favorite targets and then spreading the ball around to Dotson and McLaurin. Um, it, it's kind of been uh, a little bit evenly distributed so far. Uh, Matthew, sticking with the the offense there, you know, having not been to uh, training camp just yet, you know, reading, you know, your tweets, others uh, tweets and articles and things like that. It does seem like uh, Carson has uh, at least somewhat of a, a rapport with Jahan Dotson, uh, maybe not so much Terry just yet. Is it as noticeable kind of from reading these tweets uh, from you guys reporting, uh, it, you know, as you're there looking at it, that uh, there is kind of that budding uh chemistry uh, with uh, Jahan and Carson? I think so. You know, he's a guy that, you know, Dotson has really impressed me with how just kind of smooth he is with his overall game and just having, being right place, right time. You know, he, he seems to kind of have a knack for being in the right position and maintaining control. Um, I, I thought 
the connection was a little bit more noticeable in the spring. Now that's because McLaurin wasn't there, but you know, I think McLaurin is kind of still getting into the, they're still working on their timing specifically. You know, I don't think it's bad per se. It's just, you know, you don't see Terry making these kind of ridiculous catches and are all over the place kind of as you have in years past, but you know, he, I think he's still kind of making up for lost time. It's just, yeah, you're seeing, you're seeing that connection with Dotson, but I honestly, I, the, if I had to say what's his number one connection right now, it honestly might be Cole Turner. So today was the first day in pads. <clears throat> Excuse me. Did you, um, I guess, was there anything that surprised you or anybody that kind of showed out a little bit more now that the pads are on, or was it kind of a uh, everybody's continuing to progress at the same speed? Was there anybody yeah. that really jumped out at you today? Um. Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, I was watching Brian Robinson because I think I'm going to write a story about him later this week. So, uh, like you know, the sound I was, of that. yeah, I was seeing that uh, just to see how he was kind of handling that physicality. And you do see that size translate. Besides that, um, guys like, you know, just watching some of the interior offensive linemen, like the backups, who I don't know necessarily if they have a big role on the team, but a guy like Chris Paul, I think, is coming along. A little bit well. He was working with the third team last week, now with the second team. Sadiq Charles was holding his own, you know, against um, starters. And so it is, you know, it, 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 there's definitely a noticeable physicality. And even, um, oh, a guy I also wanted to shout out, sorry for rambling here, but uh, Dax Milne, he's had a really nice camp. And he had this catch today where he was just absolutely blasted as he, uh, caught it but he, he made control to the ground and really made this impressive catch and he, he's really had a nice camp for um i don't know what his actual role will be in the regular season but you know curtis samuel is hurt right now and he i think he's a guy that has kind of stepped in to the uh to the role here and die on the ground i love hearing about Diamond brown too um i got a couple questions in a row here for you but with respect to dax milne do you feel like at this point he's safe in terms of roster uh, opportunities, or do you think he's still fighting on the bubble? I do think he's still fighting, especially because uh, kick returner is so up in the air right now. You know, Alex Erickson, who I don't think has really popped as a receiver quite yet. You know, you see him ahead of Milne when doing punt returns and those sorts of things. I think Milne can be the punt returner if it came to that. But, um, you know, I he – if they're going to keep six receivers, they could keep seven because they did last year, but I don't think they have necessarily the same amount of talent as or the same amount of depth as they did last year with receivers. There's no DeAndre Carter, so um, I would guess they keep six, and I would say the sixth spot would be between Erickson and um, and Mill. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right, so I'm going to ask you – I'm going to give you a couple of players that we've been hearing a lot about so far in camp, and you tell me if you're pumping the brakes on them or if you're you're buying the hype on them so Ooh, far, all right? I like all right? All right, I'm going to start with the one you just mentioned, Brian Robinson. Are we pumping the brakes or are we buying the hype? Uh, I think we're buying the hype. Uh, yeah. It's <laughs> – you know, he's strong. He's really just kind of physically imposing in person and – I think the reason I'm buying the hype, too, is it just seems like Randy Jordan loves him some Brian Robinson, uh, position coach. And, you know, I think Antonio Gibson's had an impressive offseason in terms of losing weight and kind of showing up in better shape and taking those steps forward. But 
there there's there's just a role for Brian Robinson on this team. You know, they need that short yardage running back. But even I think he'll have more of a role behind that. You know, I think I think this is very much going to be a rotation that is depends on rhythm. You know, if Brian Robinson is a guy that is feeling it at the moment, they're going to stick with Brian Robinson. But that said, I would still expect Antonio Gibson to be the main back to receive the majority of the carries. I just I'm curious if the fumble issues continue for Gibson, how short the leash is, because you know you you do get the sense that Robinson is waiting in the wings here. Oh, you're making me nervous now. Gibson's my guy. <laughs> All right. Oh no, I, I I'm still relatively high on Gibson too. I just you know, I, well, I've only seen training camp. You know, it, it's yeah. I have to watch, you know, and Brian Robinson could run for 2.5 yards in his first preseason game, and then I might be in silly years. So, you know, all this with a caveat. Absolutely. All right, next guy, Cole Turner. Well, I feel like I mentioned it earlier. <laughs> it does seem like um, I'm going to buy, but just because, you know, tight end is a position right now that's really bunched together because Logan Thomas is hurt. He won't be back for some time. John Bates, who would seem like the logical number one after that, he's dealing with a calf injury right now. Don't know when uh, he'll be back. And there were these guys, you know, it was Cole Turner, Samus Reyes, um, Armani Rogers, and uh, Alex Arma. Those four were kind of bunched together as the next kind of group there. And in the past few days, it's Cole Turner that's really separated himself uh, among that group. And I think the thing that stands out to me about him is, of course, there's the size, which is going to make him a red zone threat. But you see those vertical routes down the field. You see those intermediate um, routes of him crossing the middle. And I, I think can because he has that size, he can withstand those hard-hitting safeties. And historically, if you look at Carson Wentz and how he loves to target tight ends like Zach Ertz, it seems like he, he's really had some affinity for Cole Turner right now. And so... I do buy it, but only, but mostly because I think Carson Wentz is showing that he, he likes to go to that well. So if he's on the field, I would expect him to be targeted. Nice, love it, Benjamin St. Juice. We've been hearing a lot of positive things about him so far. Are you are you buying that or pumping the brakes on that guy? Um, I'm going to. It's not. I'm going to pump the brakes, yeah. but only because I don't necessarily think. I understand the rationale of moving him to slot corner. You know, he's a bigger guy at six foot three. You can, you have a lot more matchup advantages that way. But it, it reminds me of what um, I, I just have kind of past memories like burned into my brain. And I remember going through this with Fabian Moreau a few years ago, Washington yeah. did, and how much he struggled there in the slot, even though he was like clearly better for the outside. They, they had this insistence on, um, putting him there. And I think the reason like I, I'm cautious with that is Moreau weighs heavily into that. But I also think Benjamin St. Juice kind of had a nice year at outside cornerback when he was healthy yeah. last year. And so yeah. he, you know, he struggled for sure at certain points, but I thought he was kind of really starting to find that rhythm. And so if he's learning a new position, is he going to carry that rhythm into year two or is this just essentially another rookie season for him? That's that's what I would say about that is just because of his unfamiliarity with the position. Um, I think it. I just have I just have question marks about it. Yeah, reservations there makes sense. All right, uh, Jamin Davis. I've been hearing a lot about his improvement. Uh, 
Talk to me about that. Pumping the brakes or no? Uh, yeah, I'm going to pump the brakes. I mean, I, I need to see it in game day action. It's, it's hard to get a feel for it. You don't notice him being like, we want to use a harsh word, exposed on the practice field, nothing like that. It seems like he's kind of blending in, which I think for Davis is a positive thing. You know, you, you don't see him chasing after guys after missing the tackles or anything like that. I think there's, you know, they've said that there are improvements of the in his game. They know more about football than me. I would never pretend to know otherwise. So, you know, you do take them out, out of word for it, but I think that the big tell for me will just kind of to be see his reps in, in the season. That the stat I like to throw out there is that, you know, in his rookie year, Jamin Davis only played 65, at least 65% or at least 70% of the snaps more, just four times. That it's, I think he played 16 games. So, you know, do they trust him to be on the field? Or are they going to always put him out there? I, I, it seems like it's going to be yes, you know. David Mayo hasn't really threatened to steal any of his playing time, but I just I, I need to see the bullets kind of fly before I'm ready to say, oh yeah, he's headed for a year or two surge. For sure. What about Diami? You mentioned him earlier. I've seen the hype packages from yeah. the team social media. Are we pumping the brakes or are we buying them, Diami? Mm. Honestly, I could go either way on that one. You know, it does seem like he's made some strides. Had a really nice catch the other day. It just, it, I guess it depends on a few things. One, if Curtis Samuel is healthy, don't laugh. <laughs> if Curtis Samuel is healthy, then it's funny <laughs> to see him getting on the field because I think the pecking order is clearly Florence, Samuel, Dotson. Like, if those three are healthy, those are going to be the guys. Those are, they're going to, you know, Depending on the package, Dotson will be in the slot and Samuel will be on the outside or vice versa or whatever. But if there is additional room for Danny Brown, yeah, I do think there's a role for his team. It's just can he be consistent enough? Like, Danny Brown seems like a guy to me that maybe will be like, oh, Danny Brown had a pretty good year. And then you look at the stat line, it's like, oh, he only had like 250 yards. You know, it, it's going to be one of those. I don't know if the production is going to to match the perception, but but the perception is that he's had a pretty good year. You know, I, I think Washington would take that. For sure. All right, I got three rookies for you. I'll start out with Sam Howell. I saw some hype about how good he looked on the first day of training camp. Uh, are we pumping the brakes there? Yeah. I'm, I mean, I don't even know if there's necessarily needs to pump the brakes. It's just more so like he's driving at his own pace, yeah. so to say. He's, he's a project. That's what he is. He fell to the fifth round. They, they can afford to take their time with him. There's going to be no quarterback competition here. You know, if, if he plays in 2022, it's because things were a disaster and they really went off the well, the rails. Either Carson Wentz was so bad that it required him to be benched or he got hurt. And then, you know, Taylor Heineke didn't work out either. They would have to be like three and 15, or not 15, three and 12 to like, you know, start to get. Sam Houston playing time at the end of the season. That's the only scenario I could see him um, cracking the field because I just I, he has a long way to go. Absolutely, recent time for you know he, he seems to be progressing at an adequate pace. Yeah, uh, we heard a lot about Percy Butler coming out of the draft and the potential of where he might be used. I haven't heard a lot about him since camp 
has come around. So I personally pumped the brakes on that. But what about you? Yeah, you know, the reason I thought he was going to have more of a role than maybe I do now is because when he was drafted, they were talking about him being that Buffalo nickel Landon Collins replacement. But really, that that position, they're not even calling it the Buffalo nickel anymore. They're just calling it a slot cornerback is Benjamin St. Juice. So if St. Juice is going to get Percy Butler's playing time, or Landon Collins' playing time, rather than where is Percy Butler going to fit in, you know, it's it's much more of just a question mark of how it's going to work. I, I think he's had his moments in camp. Um, you know, he had he picked off Taylor Heineke the other day. It was a really nice read. But, you know, you could also say the same thing about Derek Forrest. I think Derek Forrest has had a really impressive camp, maybe even more so than per, Percy Butler at this point. So if you're going to make an argument for who should get playing time where, then well, I think you could realistically make it for Forrest instead of Butler. And that's kind of why I would pump the brakes. You know, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with Percy Butler. It's just more of a, a math equation of how are they going to get all these guys on the field. Yeah, you explained that well. Last one for me, Jahan Dotson. Are we all in on Dotson or are we pumping the brakes on all the hype around him? Yeah, no, I'm all in. <laughs> it, I, if he does struggle, I, it might be the size. But, man, he, he can just – he knows he just has such an impressive catch radius. Really smooth hands. Can he's just he seems like very flexible. Can like, I tweeted out the other day, but God, he missed this like just complete overthrow from Wentz or whatever. It was just like one of these sloppy balls, and he still almost hauled it in just by like reaching up and Jeez. grabbing it. It was like I don't know if you guys seen this like TikTok trend of like people like rotating their arms away yeah. <laughs> and like doing that thing, but it's it. <laughs> I feel like Dotson should join in on that trend because uh, he's a very flexible man. Let me so let me let me follow it up with one thing real quick. Yeah. But McLaurin, when he came out, what was it, twenty nineteen? Um, yeah. From everybody covering the team, it was very obvious that he was going to be better than expected, right? As a third round pick, Dotson seems to be following that same trajectory as a first round pick. Is there? From where you kind of saw both of them at in that point in time, who do you think Dotson's ahead of where McLaurin was? Do you think McLaurin's ahead of where Dotson was? Kind of the same or what? Yeah, you know, the thing that really stands out about both of them is their maturity, um, that they really see poise and they, they just get it. They, they get the work that's required. They they get that you're, you know, you're not supposed to put the cart before the horse or whatever the saying is, <laughs> you know. It's just, it's, you know, they're taking their time and really kind of, uh, you know, going about this process the right way. In terms of, like, who's making a bigger, like, on-the-field performance this time of year, I thought Terry McLaurin looked good as a rookie, but it was really when that first game in Philadelphia that was like, holy crap, who's this kid? Whereas with Dotson, I think you're seeing it just a little bit more, but I also think that's part of being – a first rounder versus a third rounder, you're naturally going to pay more attention to the first rounder. And frankly, I think Terry's case a few years ago actually helps Dotson in this case because you, you do maybe expect a rookie receiver to contribute a little bit more than uh, players used to. For sure. Yeah. Matthew, going back to uh, the secondary um, and uh, a couple of those guys, I know we touched on St. Juice. Um, Cameron Curl is, is one of my favorite players. 
Uh, I know Ron Rivera said, uh, you know, he thought uh, Curl was kind of taking a, another step in his leadership, becoming a little bit more vocal. Uh, how does he look back there to you? I, I, I've always thought Curl was a, a really intelligent player and seemed to kind of understand what the offense was trying to do uh, in a lot of situations. How is he looking entering uh, this third year for uh, for himself? Yeah, I think he looks great. Uh, you know, the, what I mentioned about William Jackson earlier about him being in sync. I think one of the reasons why none of these guys really kind of stand out like is in, oh my God, this guy's amazing is because they're all working together and they're all communicating. But the thing you do notice about Cam Curl is, especially before the snap, he's always checking in with Jackson and, and kind of making those pre-check reads. And maybe they did that last year, but it definitely seems like they're communicating. You hear this cliche about communication all the time and Maybe because they talk about it so much now that I'm like actively looking for it, but right. you do notice it. And I think the thing that Ken Curl has always had is the being in the right place at the right time, kind of instinctual reads. But the other day he had this uh, person once had this overthrow that was kind of sailing, and it, it ended up being a Ken Curl interception because he just read it perfectly, but also just was like hell of a leap to kind of to grab it and. If you can, you know, you're not naturally going to become a better athlete in your third in your third year of your career. But if you can maintain those kind of athletic plays and incorporate them more into it, then yeah, he's going to have a great year. But uh, you know, I think he might be the most underrated player on this team. Right? I think he's really good. I agree. Do you see? Well, do you think this is the linebacker group we enter the season with, or do you see any kind of move coming down the pike? Because I just I'm having trouble foreseeing us going into the season with the same linebacking group essentially that we had last year. What do you think about that? Um, <laughs> you know, I was having this debate with uh, Ben Standick the other day. We were just kind of chatting just on the sideline, and he's of the position that they're going to add someone, and I think I'm kind of taking the opposite take, uh, just because. You know, Rivera said the other day that at the beginning of camp that they're going to look through the first week and see how these guys do, and then they might add some more. But he's had months to evaluate them through the offseason. You know, they, they know what they have. And so if they were going to do this, it seems like they would have done it by now, especially because after June 1, you know, the contracts, um, there's some CBA technicality that I can't remember off the top of my head right now but you know the, they, they got more money after cutting Landon Collins as a post CB uh, post June one cut so you know it just feels like they kind of would have done it but they haven't just quite yet and maybe they do add someone like it you know Drew a guy like Drew White today who was a young linebacker UDFA that they were taking a look at he got carted off so maybe they do add someone in terms of you know now that they're down a body but I don't think it's going to be anyone that's going to take away playing time from Jamin Davis with Paul Holcomb. Right? It just feels like they would have done it already. So do you just see the two linebackers set like they ran for the bulk of last year being the norm with the extra defensive back and running five defensive backs, six yeah. defensive backs at times? You see that? That's basically what it's looking like it's going to be. And I, I wouldn't discount the five defensive front looks as well. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot last year where Cole Holcomb was the only linebacker on the field. I think we could see that again quite a bit. Just looking at the success we had with last year's defense, I just I'm <laughs> concerned about that. Sure. But I mean, 
you know, like it, you know, I, you want to bring John Bostic back? <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I do not. Who's <laughs> out there? You know, it's you know, I know Anthony no, Barr is out there, but is Anthony Barr more of your traditional off-ball linebacker, or is he a pass rusher at this stage of his career? It's it's not, you know, there, there's not a it's not necessarily a guy to me that really leaps off the pages. Okay, let's bring him in there. But hey, mate, there's always maybe there's a Carolina. <laughs> just holding out for Keekly to come back. I'm, I'm, I'm sure of it. You might be oh. a better option. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Matthew, we greatly appreciate your time. Uh, folks can read your work with the Washington Times, correct? Yeah. Uh, I saw you put out a great piece there on the Brian Flores situation. So uh, make sure you go and check that out. Make sure you follow Matthew on Twitter. Um, Matthew, man, we cannot thank you enough. We appreciate you for stopping in with us, and hopefully we can uh, have you back soon. Yeah, man, absolutely. Anytime you want. All right. Thanks, man. Thank you. All right, that was Matthew Paris uh, from the Washington Times. He does great work. And if you are not following him on social media, what are you doing wrong in your life? Go follow him. Make sure you stay tuned with the updates. Uh, make sure you subscribe to this podcast uh, and tell your friends. Brian, uh, so we got a lot of, from Matthew about camp because that's what everybody's caring about. Um, from all the things that you've been following about camp, what's the one thing that stands out to you so far? Um, you know, we touched on it with uh, with the Jamin Davis stuff is how little we're hearing about Jamin Davis. I mean, Jamin Davis is a first round pick. You think about this year's first round pick, Jahan Dotson. Every other tweet, every other article, every other video is about Jahan Dotson. And we get you know, crickets when it comes to Jamin Davis. We we uh, saw one tweet about a pass breakup, and that's really been about it. So um, that's, you know, the silence on him has stood out to me. I don't, I don't know if that's good or bad. Probably lean towards it being bad because uh, if there was a lot more there, we would hear about it. So that's, uh, that's one thing that stood out to me, and that's a little concerning. Yeah, it, it is. I... I, I want now that the pads are on. I want to see if that continues. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, maybe just maybe when they get to thumping that you know he stands out a little bit more than he has. I don't know. Uh, is is he giving off first round pick vibes when you're kind of hoping just for some news? No, <laughs> but you know, hey, we gotta take a we can get. I guess um, Eric. What about you, man? What's standing out to you? Um, I'm just uh, really overwhelmed by the just amazing positivity of our fan base right now uh just taking the curtis samuel injury in stride and the carson way just being completely even keeled yeah i'm like okay yeah we're really overreacting like we do in, in, in training camp situations <laughs> just stop man look just Curtis. you know it's it's the second week of the preseason i get it curtis samuel was hurt all last year but really just let's let this thing play out before we just write him off i'm just seeing so many people like you know, standing on the ledge ready to jump because this dude's not, you know, he's not playing the second week of the preseason. Let's get him out there for week one. That's what really matters. Now, the Wentz interceptions, I, I did read a reporter that covered them at Philly was basically kind of intimated that uh, he was very similar, like, to Heineke and that he's not really a great practicer. Hmm. Um, and, you know, that could be leading into this. Also, the growing pains in the offense and by all accounts, how well the defense is playing. Um, so I'm willing to give him some time. Um, I'm not expecting a monster season from him 
personally, but I'm willing to give him some time to grow into this offense. I'm just telling all the fans, just step back from the ledge for a little bit. Just enjoy your enjoy your summer before the misery of the regular season starts. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> you have plenty of time to be miserable in September. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> the, th- the thing with the Wentz interceptions and that doesn't bother me as much as maybe most people, he doesn't generally throw them in the regular season. You know what I mean? So – I would be more concerned if he were fumbling or if he was just, you know, doing crazy things, um, you know, not seeing the the rush well in the pocket. Those are the kind of things that concern me about when. So if I'm hearing that kind of stuff in camp, then I'm concerned. The interceptions to me are a guy trying to figure out what he can and can't do within the offense, you know, passes he can and cannot throw uh, to his receivers, you know. So I'm cool with that. If he wants to experiment right now, by all means. Hit the lab, you know what I mean? Like, make it happen. But when the regular season comes, I am fairly confident that he's going to be a lot more conservative with the football. Yeah, I I had a coach tell me once, you want to make the mistakes in practice, not in the game. So all these interceptions, this is when he is supposed to do it. Just like you said, Ellie, uh, we want those uh, mistakes. We want him to test things out now as opposed to on Sunday where he says, you know what? Terry's triple covered. Let me just throw it down there anyway, even though I can't see where he is and, you know, uh, you know, try something crazy like that. No, let's let's try those things now so we know better for the regular season. So uh, I'm not really worried about uh, those interceptions. And I think with the pads on, you'll probably see a lot of those interceptions uh, slide because the offensive line will give uh, Carson a little bit more time uh, as opposed to uh, that defense kind of running free when the, they didn't have pads on. Brian, scale of one to ten, how pumped were you when he said Brian Robinson was the real deal? I saw, I your saw face his eyes up. bulge out of his head when he said <laughs> oh, it. Yeah. Oh, so happy, so happy. But uh, I mean, it, it it was more so confirmation of what I already suspect uh, suspected about Brian Robinson. I think I, I just think it's going to be different how he's utilized. I, I think everyone thinking that he's just going to be there for a breather for Antonio Gibson. I think we'll be a little bit surprised by how he's used this year. That's all. Derek Henry 2.0. That's what Brian's speaking about. <laughs> Adrian Peterson. Um, Eric, within five minutes of us being in Ashburn together in June, you looked at me and said, man, that number 85 is a, is, is a giant, right? And then when they started doing their drills, you immediately pointed out to me you know, what, what he can and cannot do, right? Um, how, how excited are you, Eric, about – Cole Turner and what we've been hearing about him. I'm a, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does in games. I've seen a lot of you know what he did in college, and I like it. Um, I I've seen, I saw a couple people floating Jordan Reed comparisons. It's not he's not Jordan Reed. Just he's not. So stop. Okay, Jordan Reed was just different. Um, but Turner has a lot of potential. He's one of those guys that just finds himself open, and he can catch. Uh, balls that are not, you know, completely accurate. Uh, he can be a really good safety valve. It's just a question of can he do it consistently at an NFL level. So far, the returns in camp have been positive. But, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see him play. I'm um, I'm not 100% with Matthew. I am pumping the brakes a little bit on him just because we haven't seen him in a game yet. But I do like what I'm hearing, and I like what I saw of him, and I like his college uh, you know, his college tape, but he is definitely not Jordan Reed, but that's okay. He doesn't need to be. He's He can get open and he can score touchdowns, and that's that's all we need from him. Yeah. I, th- I, I mean, I love the point that Matthew made about Wentz and his tight ends, and he's clearly developing a chemistry 
uh, with Turner. But you're right. You know, you have to see it against defenses that are uh, have schemed all week to try to, you know, take him away. I kind of see like with John Bates and Cole Turner, they both combine combine to give you what you get from Logan Thomas when Logan Thomas is healthy, you know, but I think if we have a specialist like Turner and, and just a purely athletic tight end, I think that can really be a game changer for us, especially when we start talking about, you know, what are we going to get from Cam Sims in this offense? What are you going to get from Diami? I don't know, but, you know, a guy like that can really fill in some of those holes of uh, that are left by some of the lower tier wide receivers on the roster. Now, I'm I'm completely hopeful for Diami. Every time I see a positive tweet about him, my eyes light up like Brian's lights up when he hears about Robinson Jr. So uh, I, I am a full hope for Diami. Um, you know what? And, and speaking of that, you know, second year players, I want you guys to tell me if you guys are still on the boat with the guys. Uh, or if you're starting to get off of the boat uh, for our second-year guys now that we're starting to hear about them in training camp. And I want to start with um, Jamin Davis. Brian, are you are you getting off that boat, or are you still waiting and hoping? I'm, I'm waiting and hoping. I, I want to see him out on the field in preseason. I want to see him run. I want to see him chase down some running backs. I want to see him make a play on the other uh, side of uh, uh, the line of scrimmage. So I'm still waiting. I'm still hoping. He has got so much talent uh, that uh, if he even uses half of that talent, he's going to have a really good year. Yeah. What about you, Eric? I'm on the Jamin boat still. Um, it may turn out to be the Titanic but I am on it. I, I just, I haven't, again, I'm, I might be in the minority here. I still don't think he was terrible last year. Like he wasn't, he wasn't great by any stretch of the imagination. He was basically an average NFL linebacker. And again, this is a guy that had virtually no experience coming into the league. So I'm still on the boat. I think he can be a really good linebacker. I just hope that I'm, I don't end up eating my words because I might be off the boat this time next year. If, if you know, things don't pan out in uh, 22. Yeah, I, I think he was an average NFL rookie linebacker. I think yeah. that's how I would say it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, he, he was better than a lot of people give him credit for last year. I think people kind of fold in the fact that they wouldn't put him on the field and say, okay, well, this is a lot worse than what we thought. It, he wasn't great, but, you know, he did make some plays, and he made some very key plays at certain points in some games. So I'm still on the boat, too. Um it just there might not be a, a a motor on it. It might be a paddle, but I'm still on the boat, and we're still going, you know, down the river. Um, all right, what about Cosme? I, we just put out something on Cosme. I'm fully on board with Cosme. I thought he played very well last year when he was healthy. Anybody not on the Cosme boat at this point? Just stay healthy. That's the main thing. That's the question mark there. If he can, if he can stay healthy, great. But he couldn't stay healthy last year. So uh, yeah, I'm on the boat. But he needs to make sure that he takes care of his body and stays stays on the field. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, agreed. Nine games last year when he played, he looked really, really good. But uh, that's not enough. Uh, we we need 17 games out of him. For sure, especially at that right tackle position. Uh, Saint Juice, Eric, still on the boat with Saint Juice. I'm on the uh, the Buffalo nickel boat. Um, <laughs> it's a floating boat. Yeah, I you know he he's another one like Cosme. He just he was okay, pretty good at at times last year, um, and he just needs to stay on the field. Concussions are tricky, uh, but they also tend to you know happen more than once. So you know he just again if he can stay on the field, I think he'll be okay. No, I, I have run far, far away from the boat. I'm on land, and I'm not even going near the dock. Mm. 
uh, for St. Juice. I, I, I know I, there's a lot of people who watched him last year and think he played really well. I am not one of those individuals. Um, and I'm very worried that if they put him in the slot, a 6-3 corner against some of these quicker twitch guys. We saw Dax Mill, um, you know, put a move on him earlier today and uh, get by him and make the uh, the, the reception there. So uh, I'm worried about that. I'm worried about if they put him in the Buffalo nickel. This gentleman has had a couple of concussions, and he's now going to be expected to play near the line of scrimmage where guys are bigger and stronger, and uh, he's going to have to be uh, better in run support. No, no, thank you. I'm uh, I'm I'm way off of uh, his train boat at all of it. I was I was kind of off the boat when we drafted him, Eric. If you remember when we talked about St. Juice, he, we thought he was kind of he was a decent player, but he was kind of like not a star, you know, type player because in his film in college was really a lot of trailing, and you know he was there where the play was to be made, but he tackled the guy instead of making the play a lot, right? so. I, I'm still where I always was. I'm not completely, you know, out on him, but I'm just not super hype about where I think he can go. Diami, I'm fully on board. I love Diami. I think he adds something to this offense. Both of you guys agree? Yeah, I just I wonder about his role. Like I think he's the talents there, I, and I think it. What 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 I really think is you're going to see him blow up in the preseason with Sam Howell throwing him the ball. <laughs> um, and then we're gonna, you know, he's gonna go Marco Mitchell and just ghost out on the in the regular season. Um, especially if Curtis Samuel's healthy. I, I just I don't know about Diami yet. He seemed like even last year, kind of a one-trick pony, just get deep. So if he's expanded, I'm willing to get back on the boat. But I think I'm just kind of standing on the dock with my foot in the air, thinking about it right now. I'm not hundred percent on board with Diami yet. You're sitting on the dock of the bay. Got it. Watch nope, not even doing that. I'm on the <laughs> The dock of the lake. It's a, it's a pontoon boat with Diami. Yeah, I'll go ahead and get in the boat with uh, Diami. I think with Carson and his ability to stretch the field with that arm, uh, hopefully we can use um, Diami the right way. I think Eric's right. He he may just be that one trick pony, but I think that trick is pretty good and it's NFL uh, level worthy, uh, which is getting vertical right away and going up and getting the football and coming down with it. Uh, I think if you try to have him some uh, uh, run some of these short crossing routes like we had him do last year, he's going to look lost. He His concentration isn't there. He may have some drops, which is all that we saw uh, last year. He's more dialed in, more focused when he's running down the sideline uh, towards the end zone. So let's do that. Let's be that uh, vertical passing game. And I think, he, uh, I think he'll do a lot better in that type of role. For sure. All right, we're a John Bates podcast. I'm not going to ask about him. I know everybody's still in the boat on John Bates. As long yeah, as prestige we get the- worldwide, right there. Yeah. <laughs> Derek Forrest, we heard some good things about him from Matthew Paris. Are we all in on Derek Forrest here? No. I'm, Derek? I'm still, the only the only image of Derek Forrest in my mind is him just completely getting getting fooled by that fake in the preseason last year that he was chasing down. Like, I think it was against the Bagels. Yeah. Like he ended up in like Louisville, Kentucky before he realized the play was going the other way. Like that was the worst thing I've seen. It was so, and that's all I think about when I think, and I don't like, did he, he was IR most of last year, right? He, he didn't really play. Yeah. So I just, I got to see him not fight on that kind of fake again. Cause that was like the worst thing I've ever seen. You got to find that YouTube clip and put it. Cause you know what I'm talking about. It was bad. I do. Yeah. We joked about that before. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, 
uh, Cam Cheeseman. Where are we at with that? I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a he, he's a long snapper. I mean, if you if you got somebody else better, let me know. But uh, if uh, if that's all we got, we'll ride with him. I mean, you didn't hear his name at all last year. I think it was a little rocky at the beginning of the year. You know, like he was a long snapper. As long as you don't hear his name, you, there's really no complaints. All right. Yeah, I know Eric loves guys with three names. So William Bradley King. Are we good there? I'm riding with him. I can't. I don't know the difference between him and James Smith Williams. Like, I literally, you could put them both with their jerseys on in front of me, and I wouldn't be able to tell. Like, I just don't know. <laughs> so, sure, he's fine. But I I, I don't know. I'll, I'll I don't go remember with a single thing about him last year. Only because we haven't seen enough of him play. I've seen enough of James Smith Williams. I haven't seen enough of William Bradley King. So I'm going to, uh, I want to see more of him. I'm going to look, uh, Shaka Tony. I'm going to say I'm I'm off the boat with Shaka Tony. I still have my, my boarding pass if I can get back on the boat at some point. But I feel like he's one of those guys where if he was going to be something, you would have seen a little bit more by now from Shaka Tony. Um, but there very well could be plays that I'm not thinking of that he has made at some point that really validate what he can be. I just don't personally recall seeing that. So I'm like, I, I'm I'm off the boat with Shaka Tony. I think with Shaka, um, he does have like a little bit more burst uh, in terms of pass rush. Now, he's a lighter guy compared to all those other ones. So he's not going to be uh, much use to you in the run game. And I think that's part of the, the problem with him getting on the field. But if we use him as a situational pass rusher, he's got some juice to him more so than any of the other defensive ends who are a little bit bigger and slower than uh, than he is. But uh I th- I'd like to see some more of them in some passing downs. Come on, Eric. Yeah, I'm with Ellie on this one. Um, I I think they should have moved him to outside linebacker last year and just started his career off that way. I think he'd be better suited there. Uh, but that's just based on purely just what I saw of him in college, which wasn't a ton. He just he's really undersized for his position, yeah. and it's a. I just, yeah, I think I'm kind of with Ellie. If he was going to be that pass rusher, that guy, I think you would have at least seen a flash. And I, there, he was barely on the field last year when he was. Like, I, you know, you, you didn't notice him, so I don't know. Uh, I think uh, – I don't really think when you get to the seventh-round picks, there's much of a boat anyway. It's like one of those <laughs> one of those boats in the school play with, the like, cardboard waves going around it. That's pretty much <laughs> the boat for Shaka Tony. So I'll stay on that because I'm not going to sink or drown, but uh, I just – I don't see him – having much of an impact in the future. Yeah. Prove yeah. me wrong, Shaka. I want to be wrong about you. Yes. Shock us all. See what I did there? <laughs> uh, <laughs> wah, wah, wah. All right. Dad <laughs> jokes declassified. <laughs> um, <laughs> Dax Milne. We just heard good things from Matthew Paris about Dax Milne. I personally was just like, he's a guy last year. I thought he... He got some opportunities, and I thought he did really well. And then Adam Humphreys came along, and it was kind of like, you know, well, there's Adam Humphreys' show. So I am going to say that I'm still off the Dax Milne boat only because, much like Cam Sims, where's the opportunity? I see him make plays, then I don't see him on the field. So I don't know. I can't get on the boat because I don't know what time the boat's leaving. (laughs) Dax Milne, they're off the field. Yeah, Dax, uh, 
you know, he seems like he's going to be that kind of guy who just finds a way to stick on the roster every year, but then you never see him. Um, that's just the vibe I get from him. So uh, the boat is, you know, I'll be on the boat, but it's like the, uh, you know, the old battle cruiser that doesn't sail anymore that you just walk on to tour because it doesn't really go anywhere. So that's the Dax Milne boat. It's the floating museum that isn't actually seaworthy. Uh, so, yeah, I think he'll probably like, I don't know, I can see him making the roster and then not hearing about him having the same conversation next summer. You know, we got We got a lot of guys in that category. We got the the. Uh... Troy Apkes uh, on that boat of the just finds a way to make a roster. Um, the Danny Johnsons, although Danny Johnson did contribute a lot down the stretch last year, um, you know, and a few other guys that are just kind of roster guys, Cam Sims. Cornellor, <laughs> those guys. <laughs> yes, yes, who's apparently having a good camp. At least he was the first couple of days, so we'll see. But, Brian, yeah, Dax Mill. No, I, I I absolutely am on board with Dax Mill. I think he. So we don't have anybody who's a uh, you know Curtis Samuel can play in the slot, but he can also play outside. So if he's hurt, we need somebody who's a true slot. Jahan will play in uh, the slot some, but he'll also play outside. I think Dax is a uh, true slot, and I think um, if he can uh, you know return some punts or return some kicks, I think that'll certainly help boost his uh, chances of making the team. So I, I think he serves a. Uh, purpose as your 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 last wide receiver on the roster i like it all right folks thank you for checking us out and thank you again to matthew paris once again make sure you will follow him on social media and his content with washington times we appreciate you taking this ride with the commander's declassified podcast make sure you check out our site wftdclassified.com you can find us on social medias they are declassified WFT. We have at E-T-R-O-D-4-2. And, of course, Brian is at Mr. Who one two O's the number one on Twitter. Check us out. Interact with us. And uh, if you are going to be at FedEx on Saturday, come find us. There will be Commander Declassified shirts that you can look us up, dap us up, talk to us, interact with us. Um, we are all very anti-social people, except for Bryant. No, <laughs> but you can talk to us anyway. True. Nonetheless, thank you for checking us out. As always, tell a friend to tell a friend. We are out of here. Peace. <laughs>